International Orienteering Podcast Mapping Compass Navigation Skill Orienteering Competition like International Orienteering Podcast We would like to uh, welcome you to this week's uh, Even National Orienteering Podcast and um, there was some uh, really interesting orienteering uh, in Sweden uh, this weekend, Ivo. Yeah, uh, I think that will be the biggest uh, section of today's episode, uh, the Swedish Midland Relay Champs. Uh, but we have also have seen uh, long distance championship in Czech Republic. We have seen sprint championship in Hungary. And there's also been the Finnish VST Liga. Uh, but already on in the qualifier uh, in uh, Sweden, uh, open Ursa Grönklit, uh, uh, there uh, was uh, action. Not all the favorites uh, went through to the final on Saturday. Yeah, I think the, the Swedish middle distance qualification is always uh, really, really hard, uh, especially in in the men's class uh, where there are. So many runners entered, so many good runners entered uh, that you see every year that this is, there are runners with the national team experience and high international level, they are getting knocked out. Uh, the margin for error is really, really small. I used to say um, that the Finnish middle is the championship uh, with highest level of them all, included the, the world championship. Because especially when it goes on the coast, when uh, the Finnish uh, runners can run in 22 minutes in the qualifier, then it's difficult. But it was also difficult here uh, for the Swedes. Uh, the European champion, uh, Albin Riedefeldt, missed out. Yeah, that was a big, big surprise. Uh, he did uh, yeah, one quite notable mistake, uh, losing one and a half minute. Uh, and then his race, the other part of the race was not superb. And therefore he was about two and a half minutes behind the heat winner. And that was enough to be uh, outside of the top seven that qualified. Yeah, but then uh, afterwards, uh, it's um, it's clear he didn't run the relay on Sunday either. And he's uh, wondering if he will uh, quit the season. Uh, because he's been quite uh, a bit of uh, illness and also suffered from uh, injury after the Europeans. So maybe we will not see him uh, in the World Cup final later this autumn. Yeah, I think uh, that uh, that was a little bit surprising to hear uh, he talk about this problem. Uh, because uh, yeah, if you look at his Strava, it seems like he had at least three weeks of quite good training. Uh, until uh, until last weekend and then there was some obviously some problems leading into the Swedish champs weekend uh, but before that he had three weeks with uh, about 110 kilometers of running and it seemed like he was able to do uh, quite a lot of uphill running preparing for Switzerland so it's a shame to see uh, if he, if it's so bad that he can't run the World Cup it's, uh, it's really a shame yeah we will uh, see uh, time will show um, but um, in front of the middle distance or uh, the races this weekend, you uh, had a guessing uh, both in the men's and the women's class. Uh, uh, we can uh, always, as always, start with the women's uh, class, uh, where you guessed Tove Alexanderson in front of Hanna Lundberg and uh, Johanna Öberg. Yeah, not my best guess. Um, I think. Um... Uh, Tova Alexanderson, she she won the race, uh, but it wasn't one of her best races. Uh, she won 48 seconds ahead of Sarah Hogström, and then Sanna Fast took the bronze medal 2.15 behind. And so a bit more close than we are used to when Tova is winning. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it was really, really high performance. Uh, high-level performance by Saga Hagström to be that close, uh, even if it probably wasn't Tove's best race of her career. Yeah, because uh, number three, uh, Sanna Fast was uh, quite uh, big. Uh, was a quite big gap down to her on the third position. 
yeah a bit more than two minutes that's uh yeah that's uh more normal when it comes to the difference up from Toven to the rest and then it was only yeah fifth place was more than four minutes behind and then there was quite big yes. Uh, I think what was noted, what was special, what quite special this week was that there was uh, quite a long winning time. Uh, in the women's class, it was 39 minutes. And in the men's class, it was high 37. So, yeah, especially in the women's class, it was a long and tough middle distance. And we, if we um, look at the men's class, uh, as uh, Gustav himself has said, you should put the money on him when it's... Uh orienteering and uh, you guessed him in the top and uh, Riedefeldt who went out in the qualifier you guessed at the silver position and uh, the dark horse uh, Jarka Lissell in third uh, not uh, so good guess uh, he- here either no uh, Gustav he had a good start of the race uh, so after about 12 minutes he was still leading and he had a half a minute gap down to Emil Svensk uh, then he made almost a minute mistake lost the lead and Emil Svensk really turned on the turbo and uh, yeah so gold medal for Emil Svensk a minute ahead of Gustav Bergman and a minute and a half ahead of his younger brother Victor Svensk yeah it was uh, I think it was quite uh, strong of uh, Emil Svensk uh, uh, Gustav Bergman in a middle distance uh, is uh, quite hard to beat he had, he had four in a row in the Swedish champs before this year so uh he uh, Emil uh, quitted the the, uh, the uh, that uh, Gustav could get a full hand of medals in the top. Uh, was it all of, all the things that were notable uh, in the middle distance? I think uh, I think the when you're looking at the splits for this middle distance, it uh, it it might be hard to see at first glance but then you get when you really look at the splits for Gustav Bergman in the last half of the race you can see signs of uh, his physical form not being quite on top uh, which yeah we got the more answer to uh, the next day in the relay Uh, but I think in general it's uh, it's important to say that yeah it's really really high level uh, start field in the Swedish champs, uh, and you have a lot of good runners that are two and a half, about two and a half minutes behind, and they are outside the top ten. Uh, so this is a race where there's really no no room for big mistakes. Uh, in the relay, the day after, uh, there were uh, bigger gaps. Um, uh, you guessed uh, in the women's class to Tuna in front of IFK Göteborg and UK Kåre. Uh, Där uh, uh, Stora Tuna were disqualified and out of the competition. Yeah, uh, I think Stora Tuna were out of the, the favorite position already before the start. Uh, when uh, yeah, So when the lineups came, it was without Marie Olausen and that's a quite big uh, quite big hit, um, and then of course when Tilda Esberg miss punched after a yeah pretty pretty bad first leg. I think she was coming to the changeover about eight nine minutes behind the lead. Uh, so even if she had been uh, had been finding all her controls, it would have been really really hard for Sturatuna to get back in the fight for the win. Uh, so instead we got the uh, power demonstration from uh, IFK Göteborg. Uh, yeah. So Elin Monson, Sanna Fast and Sara Hagström. Uh, Elin Monson was 19 seconds behind on the first leg and then they had the best leg times on both leg two and three. So dominating victory. Almost 16 minutes ahead of Göteborg Majorna uh, and then with Uko Kåre in third place. Uh, just uh, short about uh, Maria Olausen. She uh, was a bit ill after the Norwegian champs uh, last weekend, and uh, on Friday she uh, she still uh, hoped to run, could uh, be, be able to run the relay on Sunday. But uh, then uh, she realized uh, that uh, it was no good idea. Yeah. So uh, I think in if we look at the relay, it was a really hard fight for the bronze medal. Uh, 
especially between Okokore and Järla, uh, where Lisa Risby passed Caroline Olsson on the last leg. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the big takeout is uh, the insane margin. Uh, and I think maybe what separates the Swedish champs from, for example, the Finnish champs or the Norwegian champs is that the, the legs are much longer. And therefore, the differences between the top, top runners and the good runners are much bigger. Yeah, uh, but in the men's class, uh, even uh, even which relay uh, there are uh, with Suatuna at the starting line, they are favorites. And also this time you had uh, guessed uh, them as the winner in front of Uko Ravina and Uko Linné. And uh, if we are uh, kind with you, you had the right uh, in uh, number one and two. Yeah, I think Sturatuna, they did a really dominant performance once again. Uh, Henrik Johansson came to the changeover at first position. Victor Svensk had the fastest time on the second leg. Uh, and Emil Svensk could uh, cruise into a very, very comfortable victory. Uh, almost five minutes ahead of Uko Ravinen's second team, uh, which is, of course, a huge, huge uh, surprise. Uh, maybe a little bit less surprising when you look at the names, uh, because you have on the first leg it was Quentin Rautier, French national team runner. And then on the second leg, Erik Herne. Uh, he's a young Swede uh, with quite a lot of good results this year. Uh, he ran the second leg, and then Ruslan Glebov on the last leg put in the yeah, fastest time on the last leg, fastest time of the day. Uh, really good to see Ruslan back at this level. Uh, it's been a, it seems like it's been a tough season for him this year, but now he yeah, he performed well in Switzerland two two weeks ago and he had a great race here. So he will be one to watch out for at the World Cup final, no doubt. Yeah, yeah but then... I mean uh, but uh, about Ruslan Glebo, he's from from uh, Ukraine and uh... Uh, he's not only an athlete, he's also a human. So uh, there can be thousands of explanations why he has been having a tough season. Yeah, of course. Uh, we we see in many sports that uh, Ukrainian athletes are maybe more unstable this year than uh, before. Uh, so that can be a very good explanation. I know that he was suffering with this cough earlier in the summer. Uh, but yeah, uh, it seems like he's... Uh, his physical form, at least, is very good. And then when he's in the right state of mind for, for competition day, he's still really, really good. Yeah, but uh, he fighted against uh, his own first team on this uh, last leg. Yeah. Uh, so there was a really intense fight for the medals behind Sturatuna. Uh, and yeah, the closest fight in the end was between Uko Ravinen's second team and Uko Kore. And then with Uko Linné and Uko Ravinen first team. Uh, and you also had IFK Göteborg in there. Uh, they finished in fourth place, uh, just behind Uko Kore, but they got uh, disqualified. For, I think it was a mispunch on the last leg. Yeah, the, it was a mispunch on the last leg. Uh, but after this, uh, this uh, weekend of uh, Swedish champs, uh, there are uh, two names uh, who are... Uh, in the in bold uh, types, it's uh, Emil Svensk and uh, Tove Alexandersson. Or what uh, do you say? Well, I mean, uh, uh, I would almost say Sara Hagström instead of Tove Alexandersson. Uh, yeah, yeah, she was just behind Tove in, in the middle distance, but she was, uh, yeah, she was the best runner in the relay uh, for the winning team. Uh, so. Yeah, I think those two. But of course, Emil Svensk is the king of the of the Osha weekend. We uh, can hear what uh, Emil himself uh, are uh, saying after this weekend. International Orienteering Podcast. In International Orienteering Podcast, uh, has Emil Svensk uh, with us here uh, today? Uh, yeah, how are you, Emil? After two gold medals this weekend. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm fine, and uh, yeah, the legs are a little bit tired uh, the day after, but uh, yeah. 
but uh, you uh, can take the middle distance first. Uh, it was a qualifier on Friday and then uh, the final on Saturday. How uh, do you go into such uh, competition? Yeah, the co- yeah, it's uh, quite tough to have the qualification and the final <laughs> on two days. And uh, yeah, I try to run a good qualification race and uh, then push hard on the final. And uh, yeah. But uh, you you were not uh, when you have uh, in the Swedish team uh, three guys who uh, took medals in the Europeans. Um, you're not the biggest favorite, maybe in the middle. Is that a good position for you before the start? Uh, yeah, Gustav, uh, Anton, and uh, Albin, and they are of course other runners also. It's really good on at middle distance, and uh, I just I just uh, try to do my own race and uh, yeah, run the fastest I could. Yeah, and it was uh, really fast. Uh, yeah, how how will you? Evaluate your um, your race. Uh, the race was really good. Uh, not mistake at all. I think maybe some yes, some seconds here and there, but uh, uh, the whole race was uh, yeah really good. And uh, I have a good speed in the leg also, so yeah, it was a fun competition to, to run. Yeah, and, and it uh, after uh, Gustav Bergman has won uh, four middle distance champs in Sweden in a row. Now what is uh, you on the top? And that was uh, with a big margin. Uh, then you get to get, get some self-confidence there. Yes, of course. Uh, and uh, yeah, I know before the shape is good. And uh, now after the, the weekend, <laughs> I also know the shape is really good. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah it was a nice weekend. But uh, it was a double, uh, al- almost a double for your family. Uh, your little brother, Victor, he was uh, number three. Uh, is it uh, most important to be best uh, in Sweden or best in uh, the family nowadays? <laughs> yeah, uh, of course, it's always fun when Victor runs good and the, uh, the other brothers also. But uh, yeah, of course, it's, uh, <laughs> it's important to, to beat them. But uh, have, have, he is your little brother. Has he been so uh, big in orienteering that he ever beaten you in a race? Or uh, does the, does you, uh, are the biggest U-runner uh, still? Yeah, uh, he has beat me on, on some, some competitions uh, here, in, uh, here in, in the club and in Dalarna. So, of course, he, he can beat me. And uh, he know, he know, he know that also. Yeah. But um, on Sunday, um, you were in the same team in the, in the relay, and you and then you were uh, big favorites with uh, Stuartuna. And uh, you had uh, Henrik Johansson on the first leg. Uh, uh, you were running last leg there. Uh, at Jukola, Victor uh, ran last leg. What's the analysis behind this? Uh, before Jukola, I have I had the. Focus on sprint, and uh, Victor was in good shape before Jukola. So uh, I think Victor was the best one to run the last leg in Jukola, and I was the best one to best one to run the last leg uh, yesterday. So yeah, not 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 a big thing, but uh, yeah, it worked well. Yeah, it, uh, how was the relay for you? You you got uh, the map uh, in quite a big lead. Uh, how do you uh, do then when you have a couple of minutes down to? Yeah, strong runners like uh, Gustav Bergman, uh, Isak von Krusenstjerna, and so on. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the guys before me, Victor, Henrik and Victor, uh, run really good. So I just run, run in the front and do my own race. And uh, of course, it's uh, really fun to, to run in the front and uh, do my own. So yeah, the, the race was also uh, yeah, a good race. Is it, is it true when you big orienteer say it's fun to run in the front? Don't you feel the pressure there? No, I, I don't feel so so big pressure. If, of course, it's a pressure, but uh, yeah, I think it's quite quite nice to run in the front and have some minutes gap. So yeah. So so uh, when when uh, when Carla Dalin, the national team coach, will ask you, will you run the last leg in uh, the Switzerland World Cup? Uh, you will uh, take it. Yes, of course. 
Yeah, because uh, when you are so good shape uh, and a double victory this weekend, you uh, has to be uh, one of the favorites going to the World Cup final. Uh, yeah, we'll see. The train is quite difficult, different from here in down in Switzerland. So the the guys down there is really good at that, that uh, kind of volunteering. But we'll see. I hope the shape will uh, be good in two weeks also. Yeah, yeah, you're going down uh, to Switzerland uh, uh, next Monday. Uh, is that enough time to adapt to the altitude? Yeah, we'll see. I hope so. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, what, uh, what uh, is your goal down there uh, after uh, being the best Swede uh, now uh, this weekend? Uh, if you're being the best uh, Swedish runner uh, in uh, the World Cup, uh, that's a podium position. Uh, yes, of course. The goal is to run, uh, to have a good shape and run fast uh, there also. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, it's hard hard to have some results goal uh, before when you don't know so much about the train and uh, the altitude and the, and the other things. So yeah, but uh, it's always fun to run when you have a good shape. So I hope for that. Yeah, you're looking forward to uh, to the World Cup final. Yeah, we have to, again, congratulations with a really successful weekend, Emil, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. After this inter- interview, I have to ask you, um, uh, Emil Svensk is quite uh, dominant and in, uh, in really good shape uh, in Sweden, but he will not... Uh, uh, say uh, in uh, clear uh, letters that he will uh, take a podium position in the World Cup. Uh, is it a tactic from the Swede? Uh, I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he is afraid of pressure. Uh, but I think it's. Uh, I think it's a real uncertainty about how well the terrain actually fits him down in Switzerland. Uh, I think it. I think it should fit him quite well. Uh, and I expect him to be in the fight uh, for yeah for the win at all, uh, at both the individual races uh, and maybe also in the overall World Cup. I think he's uh, probably too far behind. Um, but yeah, we will see. Uh, if we then uh, walk on to the Czech Championships, uh, you uh, uh, didn't guess the total... Uh... Uh, top three, but uh, we you mentioned uh, Milos Nikodim and Teresa Janoshikova as the favorites. Uh, uh, Janoshikova, she uh, she were in Finland during the weekend and uh, for training and uh, didn't uh, run the champs. So, uh, but the Milos, uh, he he struggled already quite early in the uh, final on Sunday in the long distance. Yeah, I think uh, we were talking when we were talking about the, both the Finnish champs and the Swedish long distance champs. We were talking about how tough it is with the long qualification and then a final uh, the next day. Uh, and that system is also in use in Czech Republic, and it's really really tough. So on Saturday they ran a qualification race. Uh, the fastest men had winning times about about seventy minutes, and the fastest women had by a bit more than fifteen minutes. So quite a solid race to have in your legs before you're starting the final. Uh, and I think that can be a factor to make the, make the differences bigger between the absolute best and the rest. Uh, yeah, um, and it was quite big uh, margins uh, also. Uh, Denisa Kosova won in front of uh, Vandula Hoshikova and Adela Fridl. Fritzlova. Ah, it was yeah. a difficult one. Yeah. Yeah, Czech names are really hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think um, yeah, the with uh, Teresa Janoshiskova not on the start list, those three are the ones that have the yeah uh, the most international experience and the ones you would expect to be uh, on the top of the podium. Uh, yeah, it looked to be. It looked to be a really, really good long-distance course. Uh, a lot of route choices. Uh, kind of similar to how the World Championship was last year, long-distance. 
but it seemed almost more extreme uh, with some some of the rocky and cliff areas were really really uh, really hard to get a good overview over uh, so it was a tough race uh, and Denisa Kosova she was the strongest of the women but uh, this was actually one of the training uh, areas for the uh, world champs last year and uh, uh, what was uh, special about this race was that uh, they ran on uh, 1 to 50,000 uh, scale, but in the detailed areas, they had 1 to 10,000. Uh, ah, okay. So that was the big discussion after the, after the champs. What do you think of that yes. uh, solution? So they had uh, those areas printed on the backside or? No, on the, uh, in the corners of the map. Ah, okay, yes, in the corner. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, uh, what do you yeah, think? It, it makes sense. Uh, it's if you're running into these really, really, really detailed areas uh, on a 15,000 map, it can feel kind of random, uh, or at least feel a little bit more random. Um, but I'm I'm thinking that if if you have to have a 10,000 map on part of the course, then maybe it would be better to have the whole course on 10,000. Yeah, that was the that were many agreed on that after the race in the discussions. But this has been used for us who are grown-ups. We can look back at the World Cup race in Dresden in two thousand and four when it was similar terrain, and they also did the same back then. But the discussions in Czech started already when the bulletin came uh, earlier uh, in the week before the champs when they saw mm -hmm. that it was a uh, change of uh, map scale during the race but uh, yeah yeah that's uh, I, I'm, ne I'm not as old as you so I didn't know that stuff about the Dresden World Cup uh, so I've never heard of this in a, in a race situation I mean it's quite normal that you have it, similar differences in training uh, where you sometimes you run on a 10,000 map and then you change to a 5,000 map in a really detailed area uh, but yeah in a long distance to change between 15,000 and 10,000 that's uh, yeah that's uh, new to me yeah but it was not new for uh, Kosovo to win the long uh, national champs it was her 5th in a row uh, in this uh, discipline in uh, national champs so uh, that, that was quite good but uh, she will not uh, promise uh, top positions in the World Cup final uh, uh, because, she, as she said to me, it, uh, there are really strong names uh, in the top of uh, uh, women's orienteering right now. And she mentioned uh, Tove, of course. And, uh, but the top 10 uh, are, uh, are uh, like her goal for the World Cup final in Switzerland. Yeah, but that is a that is a good goal. Uh, at the World Cup final in Italy last year, she was 11th in both the long distance and the middle. So then breaking into the top 10 uh, should be, yeah, should be it should be possible, but it should also be something to aim for. But uh, this year she is quite uh, motivated in the autumn because uh, she lost uh, the World Champs because of uh, illness, and uh, then in front of the. Europeans, she got uh, COVID, and uh, so she lost Europeans champs also. So then the motivation is quite big to get some results in the autumn. Yeah, that is good. I mean, uh, then you have effectively missed out of half of the international season. So uh, yeah, so she ran the World Cup in Burros, uh, and she also was in America for the World Games. Uh, so it's good to see. It's good to hear that she is uh, motivated for the World Cup final. But uh, one guy who also definitely were at the World Games uh, was uh, Thomas Krivda. He got a medal there in the sprint, third position. And, and uh, this weekend he was best in the long distance in Czech Republic. What do you take out of that uh, race? Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, so even, even more than with the women, it uh, was a lot of tricky route choice legs. Uh, which split up the runners a lot. Uh, so some runners, they like Milos Nikodim, had a problem early in the race, uh, while Thomas Krivda, he had a really good start, got to leading position directly, and yeah, uh, he was running in the lead the whole race.
Uh, after about half an hour of the race, he caught up Jonas Hubasek with four minutes, uh, and they run together the whole race. Uh, and yeah, so in the end, Thomas Krivda he won ahead of Milos Nikodim, uh, a bit more than two minutes gap, and then Hubasek a bit more than four minutes behind. Uh, Hubasek uh, has uh, the talking town is that Hubasek uh, said in quarantine that. Uh... He will will be caught up at, by Krivda and both of them will get a medal. Well, I mean, first of all, it's uh, uh, in 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 this kind of terrain. I think it's quite hard to plan to be caught up uh, because the route choices are potentially really really big. So unless you're waiting on the controls, it uh, there is a big risk that you are being passed uh, without you seeing him. Uh, but uh, Hubasek, he was lucky. He got caught up uh, on the middle of a leg, longer leg. So he had the same route choice there. Uh, and then, yeah, it's it's always hard to say from the GPS. I haven't seen the punching times on each control. But from the GPS, it looked quite clear that it was Krivda that was in front almost the entire way. Yeah, and uh, Krivda, he, he, has, uh, he has had a really good uh, national season. He has won all the four uh, individual champs in uh, Czech Republic and that uh, have never happened before so that's a good thing to have for the history books and we yeah. should uh, he, all, yeah yeah he is a really really interesting runner so i think he's 22 or maybe 23 now and i think uh, uh, it, for me it was a huge surprise uh, last year at Jukola when he went out and he put the fastest time on the sixth leg uh, against really, really good runners. Uh, and then this year he's been improving even more. Uh, he had a really, really good leg at Tiumila. I think he had a good leg at Tiupula this year also. Uh, and then he's been performing yeah, uh, quite well. He was in the top 10 of the European champs middle distance. Uh, he has some good results from from the World Cup and the Sprint World Championship. Uh, so it will be really interesting to see if he can continue and perform at the top level also at the World Cup final. Yeah, he was, uh, as I mentioned, number three in the World Games Sprint. Only, um, only um, Greg Bon and uh, the winner, Tim Robertson, was ahead of him there. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And- and uh, but he said uh, that this was a really tough weekend because he has uh, been uh, focusing on sprint uh, uh, the whole summer, and he also did uh, choose to not run uh, the long distance in, at Europeans. So this was the first long distance this year for him, and then he doubled up with uh, two in a row, uh, and he uh, he also uh, yeah f- feel that he has. Um, a uh, higher level uh, this year than last year and uh, aiming for uh, uh, he did not say podium but uh, top 10 in the World Cup final yeah but that sounds like a reasonable uh, ambition uh, yeah so maybe it's like his first long distance uh, uh, but he, he did run almost 17 kilometer last leg at uh, Jokola so I would count that as a long distance yeah, well, he he uh, he said uh, he said individually he thought uh, maybe then, uh, and we also had to mention that uh, Wojciech Kral uh, uh, did not run this uh, race in the men's category. Yeah, Wojciech Kral is another athlete that has had a lot of problems this season, uh, so it's it's a shame uh, that he has not been able to show himself. Really, he, he was missing the World Cup uh, in Budos uh, earlier this season and now sick again. So I, then it's uh, yeah, it's easy to question whether he will be in top shape for the World Cup final. And yeah, he is also a guy that is getting older. So yeah, maybe we have seen maybe we have seen the best of him already. But I think there is there is more for it, more to come for him. Yeah, and uh, uh, if we move on uh, for the, to Finland and the VST Liga on Saturday, they uh, got to run with headlamps uh, in the dark there. Yeah, so this was the, uh, the final event of the VST Liga, uh, a short 
relay, uh, three legs for the women, three legs for the men, uh, winning time about 40 minutes each leg. Uh, and most interesting, it was uh, it's in the it was held in the area next to where Yukula will be held next year. Uh, so it was uh, yeah, it, it, the terrain looked really nice, uh, quite technical, um, but still a lot of features to read on. Um, and it was a really, really close relay, both in the men's class and the women's class. Yeah, well, anything you could uh, take out from the results? Uh, yeah, uh, we can start with the women. Well, Tampa and Pirante won. Yeah, Tampa and Pirante won, uh, but only three seconds ahead of Paima and Rasti. So there was a sprint finish between Venlahario and Ina Westerlund. Uh, and then those teams were really, really dominant. Uh, and it was almost 12 minutes down to, yeah. I I don't really know how to pronounce this team. Uh, it's a bit uh, of a surprise that they were at the podium, but I think it's Jamsen Retkiveikot. Uh, one of those absolutely brilliant Finnish names uh, that we non-Finns are struggling with. Yeah, uh, but here uh, it was, uh, yeah. It was uh, Tampere and Paimion who, who had a two-horse race for the victory. Yeah. So then also in the overall of the VST Liga, that means that Tampere Pirenta wins it by a big margin. Uh, Rasti Karut, they are in second place. And Paimion Rasti, with the double points from the final, they were able to pass Ladens Unistat and take the last po- spot on the podium. Yeah, and actually, Primonost, he they um, they won the men's relay. Yeah, that is uh, that, that was a surprise. Uh, and if we say that the, it was close in the women's uh, class, it was even closer in the men's class. Uh, so, Paimon Rusty with uh, Topias Arola on the last leg, they beat uh, Kuve and Laurisild in the sprint, and they were so close that in the results they have the same time. But uh, there we had to notice that uh, Timosel was running uh, on the second team for Kuva. He was the first uh, man to the first changeover in the second team. So uh, maybe the selection, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know uh, what was about that selection there. But uh, question yeah, that, on that. Yeah, that was a bit surprise. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, the, the first team of Kuva was in third place at the first changeover. So I don't know. What was the reason for that? Uh, if maybe Timo Sill has been sick or something, because if he is in good form, you would naturally have him in the first team. Uh, but yeah, uh, so maybe those uh, 40 seconds difference on the first leg was the deciding factor that were able to give Paimon Rusty the chance to sprint for the victory. And then we also had a good performance uh, by... Uh... A junior in the third team there, Turun Sunnestad, I think. Yeah, so Turun Sunnestad, they were third place. Uh, they have a really, really young team, very interesting team. And the, the youngest and the best guy in that team is the Tuko Seppa, which we talked about uh, earlier in this podcast in relation to the Finnish middle champs, where he ran in the elite class, even if he's still a junior. So here on the second leg, he... He brought uh, Turun Sunnisayat up to a big, big lead with more than two minutes. And he had the fastest time of the second leg with uh, quite a big margin. So really, really solid by, by the junior. And, uh, and uh, maybe Kuve, they already was uh, overall winners. And uh, maybe that's why they had uh, uh, one of the Sil brothers in the... In the second team, because uh, overall it was... Uh... Yeah, so overall, the Kove has had a really, really good relay season this year, uh, except for the uh, Finnish champs that was uh, then voided. Uh, so Kove are winning the VST Liga with a big margin ahead of Helsing in Sunnestad, and then Paimon Rasti with double points in the final and victory in the final. They passed the other teams, uh, beating especially... Uh, then Turun Metzenkevi for the last spot on the podium. So Kove, Helsingin Sunnesat and Paimon Rasti are the three best relay clubs in Finland, according to the VST Liga. 
but uh, we have to uh, put a question mark uh, behind this uh, last uh, weekend because uh, uh, there are a tight schedule for the best runners and uh, lots of travel because we saw yeah there were uh, a team like Kalmarost who was uh, missing at the start list and uh, many top runners were not in the teams. Uh, is it too tight for the best to take part in everything? Um, I think the main uh, the main problem in this uh, in this regard is that the the national team actually organized a book twenty twenty five camp in Kupio where the world championship will go in three years time. Uh, so the the young national team runners they were there instead, or the national team runners they were there instead. Uh, and uh, but I think actually Tuka Seppa that we talked about with the great second leg, second leg he was in um, I think he was at the training camps at first and then he went down to run the relay. Uh, I think I saw his name on some of the list from the GPS tracking. Uh, so it, but yeah, it, and uh, other uh, and uh, oh, there's also worth the mention about uh, the uh, the. The cancelled Finnish champs in relay that they will not organize a new champs there. Yeah, that's a bit special. Uh, I mean, it's understandable that uh, it's hard to find uh, find time in the program, but still, it's uh, the season ends in one month, and it should be. Yeah, I think it should be possible to organize it in the end of October, early November, if they really wanted. Uh, but it seems like there is no interest to do that. Uh, yeah, it's a shame that there will be a year without official Finnish champions in relay, uh, even if uh, for those who those who know, they will always count Helsingis Unisayat as the winner of the men. And now I'm blocked. Was it Tampere Piranto that won the women's class? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The... Or at least they cross the finish line first and yeah. would have won if the race counted. Um, but what I think is really interesting is about this uh, uh, relay league in Finland is that they have, yeah, they are organizing it and it's not a problem that there is a national team activity earlier. And you've seen that before there have been races in the relay league when there's been World Cup races and stuff like that. And it's really, I think that's a strength that it shows that the, this is a race that it's not depending on the national team runners. Uh, it's it's for the clubs and the clubs are able to run even if they're missing a few team members at the national team camps and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that that's uh, good that it's a club activity that uh, can go on uh, even if uh, yeah, 10 runners are missing. Uh, if we move on to the Hungarian uh, Sprint Championship, uh, have you uh, seen anything from that uh, during the weekend? Yeah, as um, uh, I as I, I have a I have a kid in Turving that is uh, running the Hungarian Championship, so I've been watching the results and having a little bit look of that, and it was uh, yeah, uh, I think it was interesting to see how the young runners are doing in Hungary because uh, the Hungary has not really performed at international elite level in many, many years. Uh, but they have had uh, some really, really good generation with juniors and youth runners lately. And now they are about to step up uh, to the senior class and some of them are still juniors, but they are really, really promising. Yeah, there was a runner who ran... Uh... Both Ayok, uh, Jaywalk, and the the world champs uh, this year. She won uh, uh, with the one minute in the sprint in the Ayok this summer. Yeah, and she won almost with one minute this weekend uh, as well. Uh, Rita Marmarosi. Uh, I think she's born 2005. Uh, so she's really, really young uh, and really, really fast. Uh, earlier this year, she ran a 3K in 9.32. Uh, which is really fast for a 17-year-old girl. Uh, so she won this race ahead of Dominica Mero, which is a first-year elite runner, and then Victoria Mag, which is also still a junior, 
uh, was in third place. And how was the men's uh, class? Yeah, in the men's class, it was, uh, yeah, if you can say so, it was the old man that won. Uh, Mihaili Ormai, I think he is 25, 26. Uh, but in this context, he is old. Uh, so he won ahead of Ferenc Jonas, uh, a guy that won medals at J-Walk last year. And Sultan Buidoso in third place. He is still a junior. And one of the, yeah, one of the outsiders, actually, for the, for the medals when the last part of J-Walk will be organized in November. Yeah, well, I would say that you mentioned quite uh, yeah, uh, a couple of very interesting runners for the, the rest of the J-Walk uh, in uh, November there. Yeah, I think if we start with the women, uh, Rita Marmarossi, she is clearly better in the sprint races. Um, she was... Uh, I think she was leading the sprint at Jaywalk until they hit the last forest part. So when there was like three controls left or something. And then she made a big mistake and ended up uh, yeah, in the top 20, but no, not the medal. Uh, but it would surprise me if she is able to win a medal, uh, in, individually at least, uh, at Jaywalk in November. I have higher hopes or higher expectations uh, for uh, Victoria Mag. Uh, she was already on the medal spot last year when she was third place in the long distance uh, and also the Hungarian team was second um, so I think the Victoria Mag and also the Hungarian relay team uh, among the women should be really really strong medal contenders at J-Walk. Yeah, I see uh, and that's uh, actually the question when we have seen all these national champs uh... Uh, during the autumn, uh, there are uh, when you are uh, home in, uh, in the national champs, there are always someone who will win. But uh, how was the level on each of those? Uh, who, who, after looking at all of those national champs, who uh, are the favorites for the World Cup final? Yeah, I think the, um, uh, the short answer is that uh, the biggest favorites they should be Swedish. Swiss, Norwegian, and maybe Finnish, based on how well the Finns ran on European champs. Uh, but I think the terrain uh, in Davos will probably suit the Finnish runners a little bit less. Uh, so, yeah. And we, uh, yeah, I think uh, the biggest favorite for the women is, of course, Tove Alexandersson with Simona Ebersholt as the big challenger. And then in the men's class, I think Kasper Fosse. With a few more weeks of uh, preparation for the forest races, he should be the main favorite for uh, for the men's classes, uh, especially now that we know that uh, Matthias Kibutz uh, has uh, has decided to skip the World Cup final after his injury in the selection race last weekend. Isn't that uh, uh, about the injury is so tough that he cannot run, or what? Uh, how is it uh, about him? Yeah, so when he twisted his ankle, there was some problems uh, with the ligaments, I think. Uh, so I think maybe he could have been, it could have possibly been uh, been possible to run, but he doesn't take the risk because also if you want to run the World Cup, you should also prepare well for it. Uh, so he has decided there there is, yeah, no, it's not worth it to risk your foot uh, now with less than 10 months to go for the home world championship uh, so he wants to play it safe uh, when we're telling that uh, uh, it's uh, uh, bad news for him but uh, 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 what should you say all the others uh, as uh, the shape he has shown uh, this uh, autumn that's uh, a kind of uh, kind of easier <laughs> for them to get a position and then and I can remember when uh, in Falun, Tiumila in Falun, when uh, you were actually in the winning team there, uh, your brother, he uh, fell in his leg uh, and uh, got a really uh, injury there. And um, your runner on that leg, he got the answer, uh, the, the question on the press conference afterwards. What did you think when uh, Olav Lundones uh, fall down in the forest? And then he answered, 
I'm not sure if I should tell, but I I thought my thought was yes, no, he is down. Yeah, I don't think that was a, a well thought through comment. Uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, with Matthias Kubus out of the game, it means that uh, almost every runner will get a one position better result. Yeah, uh, it could be like that because he has been really impressive. Um, uh, that was uh, that was something that has been not impressive but uh, surprising this uh, autumn. Uh, was uh, last week when we heard from Austria about uh, the military selections there. Uh, they have um, really um, done something new uh, after uh, almost uh, 10 years in the military. Uh, two of the uh, two of the best runners are kicked out. Should we say it like that? Yeah, I think we can say it like that. So basically, the system in Austria is um, that the the national team have a certain number of spots uh, in some military sports program, so they can decide which athletes are going to be a part of the military and therefore get the support, uh, especially economical support. Um, and then uh, after this season, uh, the Austrian Federation had decided to change a bit in the policy. So instead of just looking at um, who is the best runners, they are also looking at who is likely to become better in the future. And therefore, they have decided to kick out two of the yeah, the two oldest uh, runners, uh, Robert Merl and Ursula Fesselhofer, um, which is quite controversial uh, because yeah i would say ursula is clearly the best austrian women uh, she had a top 10 result at the world championship this year uh, and robert mail is the second best austrian may- runner of the men uh, behind gernot kerschbaumer uh, which is also he is not in the that program anymore either because he had been filling his quota of the number of years in total you could possibly be in there so he left before the season. Uh, and they have decided instead to fill it with younger runners. And yeah, I think uh, it's a bit special. Yeah, you, uh, you named him Gernot Kerschbaumer, but uh, that was earlier uh, Gernot Kerschbaumer, no Gernot Imsen after yeah, uh, his marriage. Uh, uh, we can uh, hear what uh, Robert Mell uh, himself uh, is uh, telling about this uh, situation and how he will, uh, uh, what he's thinking and uh, how he can solve that uh, uh, if there is uh, going to be any more uh, top sports for him. Even National Orienteering Podcast. In the Even National Orienteering Podcast, we have uh, with us uh, Robert Mell from Austria. Uh, he is a junior world champion from uh, 10 years ago in Poland and uh, he has been uh, training hard uh, the whole senior career. But uh, you have got some obstacles now uh, this autumn, uh, Robert. Can you tell a bit about it? Uh, so, yes, um, um, we had a new decision in our um, sports system. Gursela, um, uh, Karen and me get thrown out of the military because military is for us um, the, the income and we are able to, to concentrate fully on orienteering with this um, support from the military. And um, the Austrian Federation and, uh, decided that uh, they want, from now on want to concentrate on young runners and younger runners. And this was quite a hit for us um, because this information was really, really new. And uh, the strategy is also really new. So yes, as you said, it's, uh, it's quite an obstacle, and um, I will decide after World Cup if it's possible uh, to continue for next year. Uh, there are some possibilities. There is some um, uh, still some small support um, from the uh, military, or there would be some small support. Um, for example, if I would study or something like this, but um, this would mean some extra hours. It's really difficult. Um, would that they, they, they that would be really difficult to spare for me with a family and um, uh, some some uh, yeah with full time orienteering um, and so yeah it's there are some obstacles new obstacles yes. Um, but what do you think uh, yourself? Uh, will you uh, will uh, manage to get uh, the whole package with sponsors or? Uh... 
does that this uh, need, you need to retire now, or what's your spontaneously thoughts? Um, so yes, it's a, that's a good question. Um, I really want to thank, uh, at this point, I really want to thank um, everybody here because there are some some clubs, um, as you might know, I run for Tour de in Vietnam. And there, there is some great support, for for example, from this club and also have some sponsors. Um, they, they really support me and um, I think it could be possible to, to help, uh, to continue with their help. And um, it's also a little bit about um, uh, uh, how, much, how much fire there is still after um, uh, such a big hit, let's say it like this. And I, I want to, to give us, all of us, like my supporting um, uh, team uh, or my supporters, my, my, my family and myself some time to think about it. And I will, I will decide or we will decide after, after World Cup. Yeah, yeah, you should not take such uh, uh, decisions spontaneously. But uh, when you got uh, knocked down, you can get really motivated. Have you felt uh, you getting really motivated uh, to hit back or uh, how, how is the feelings? Um, yes, so um, as a sportsman, that's actually one of the first thoughts you get, I think. <laughs> it's like, oh, I will show them. Um, so, of course, I thought about it. And uh, I think there is a little bit of fire there. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's something that, that, yeah, I cannot deny. So um, that, that's kind of, uh, yeah, maybe even something positive I can take out of this. But as I said before, it's, it's not only my decision. We, have, we are family. We, we are... Um, uh, we, we have some, some family decisions there. Uh, Carlotta, I think uh, most of, of us, um, <laughs> most of the, the listeners know her. Um, um, she, she, she really supports me. And um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a decision we yeah. have to make together. So yeah, of course. Yeah. But, uh, but how is your thoughts going uh, to the Austrian Federation now? Uh, when Ursula, she was uh, top 10 in the knockout sprint in the world champs uh, this summer. And uh, overall, Austrian orienteering is step-by-step uh, step, uh, getting closer to the highest level in the world. Uh, and, um, and now this, uh, what, uh, is it something you would uh, put a word on? Um, yes, of course. I mean, um, in my opinion, this is not the right decision. But um, uh, I think I think this this uh, is is um, I mean maybe it's a little bit difficult in my in my position to 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 say this, but um, I think they could have made it better. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm not really sure what what else there is to say. I, I think it's I think it's just simply simply a wrong decision. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see. Um... So now you will uh, use uh, the rest of the this season to see how much it's on the on the tank, and then you will see how motivated you are and do uh, yeah. I will not a meeting in the family, but uh, at least you will uh, have advice and uh, yeah, have a good talk there and and make uh, the this decision in October sometimes if you will continue. Yes, exactly. So that's the plan. I will, I will, um, we will have some time. We have some time to think. I will talk with the supporters I have, um, the clubs and uh, the sponsors, and of course, family, and take a little bit of time and um, see how much fire there is. And um, yeah, um, and then, and then uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely love the sport. I love the people, and um, there, there's so much positive here. So we'll see. We'll see about it. Yeah, uh, we will also like to see you in the uh, Austrian shirts uh, the next seasons. So, so uh, I hope you hope this can uh, solve out in a good way that you will uh, continue. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, thank you to be with us here also, uh, Robert. And then we will uh, keep in touch and see how the decision will, you will make. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Robert here is giving us uh, value for the money. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, first of all, it's a it's a tough situation for him. Uh, he's been in this program for I don't know ten years or something like that, uh, and then he has constantly also been among the three best Austrian runners, uh, I would say. Uh, and it feels to me, from as an outsider, it feels really, really weird that they are kicking out two of their best runners 
before a world championship in their neighbor country. And that's uh, that's quite strange. Uh, and uh, to uh, leave this on a high note, we can put in a fun fact about uh, Robert Mal. He was uh, one of three sharing the gold medal in the Jaywalk in uh, 2011 in the middle distance there in Poland. Isn't that right, Ivo? That's right. And uh, he even passed me in that race. I started two minutes ahead of him. And it was not my best race and he passed me and I didn't see him again before the finish. So uh, that was uh, a race for the history books because uh, three guys uh, was at the same time and uh, shared the victory in the men's class there. Uh, if we uh, look at what's coming up uh, this weekend, we can see that uh, in Norway there are uh, the final in the Norwegian Cup. Uh, and uh, what do you say uh, when you're looking at the start list there? Yeah, so there's a, a sprint race uh, and a middle distance, and then it's a chasing start. Um, and this is organized in uh, Kolnerud, uh, a bit outside Oslo. And if you're looking at the start list, there is a good, good level of the both high level and a good participant number. Uh, so this is be this will be a very nice final final of the Norwegian Cup uh, from there. World Cup team, there is six out of nine of the ladies that are going to Switzerland, and there's three of the men, uh, including both the middle distance champion, uh, Erik Langedal-Breivik, and the long distance champion, Lucas Lyland. And then um, also, I'm on the start list, and I'm not the only Lundanes on the start list in the men's class. Uh, so Olav Lundanes will make a small comeback uh, at the elite level, and that will be really interesting to see. Is that uh, kind of a tribute uh, to Eurun Heimdall? Because the races uh, is uh, taking places in Konu, Eurun's, uh, uh, where he Eurun was born. Yeah, and I think that goes for uh, a lot of people actually. Normally, these uh, Norwegian Cup final that is organized just after the Norwegian Championship, normally they have very very little uh, participant. Uh, you have the you have the few guys that are fighting for the uh, for the overall win, and then you have a few guys that is uh, like locals, and then you have those guys that always goes. Uh, but this year, the the number of runners are much much higher than it used to be, and yeah, it's quite easy to think that that has uh, connections with the with the fact that Eudin Heimdall is actually one of the core setters uh, for these races. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, starting to quite uh, being quite emotional talking about that. But uh, but uh, what do you think then uh, about uh, uh, who's your favorites uh, here in the chasing start uh, when we look at that? Yeah, I think in the men's class it should be mainly between Erik Langedal Breivik and Lukas Lilan. And in the women's class it's quite open. Uh, you have. Yeah, as I said, six of the World Cup runners, uh, and that means that the the three that are missing are maybe the three best because it's uh, Andrine Benjaminsen that lives in Denmark, it's Marie Olsen that lives in Sweden, and it's uh, Tone Lie that won two medals at the at the Norwegian Champs. Uh, so with those three would maybe be the biggest favorite, but they are not here. Uh, so I think in the women's class it's really really open. Uh, Olaf Lundonesson. What could we, could we expect from him, from him? I think, uh, yeah, I think he, so. He's only running the middle distance, not the sprint and not the chasing start. Um, to me, it looks like the terrain. It's kind of rough, and it's uh, there are some good possibilities to make it uh, quite tricky technical. So I guess I expect him to be in the top ten uh, based on experience and technical skills uh, but it would really really surprise me if he can be close to the to the, to the victory uh, talking with uh, Emil Svansk it was a really important fight uh, between his uh, the brothers uh, will it be a fight uh, among the Lunanas uh, brothers this uh, weekend uh, normally I would have said yes I'm hoping to beat him 
but I've pulled uh, a calf muscle after the Norwegian champs. Uh, so I'm not uh, uh, I'm not quite sure if I'm able to run yet. Uh, I hope to be uh, I hope to be able to run through it. But uh, yeah, even if Olav has not trained much, he should be way ahead of uh, my level right now. And uh, if there are one guy in Norway who know tapering, it's uh, Olav. So uh, I I think he is uh, getting the most out of uh, that training he has in his. Uh, body this year uh, to that race yeah we will see uh, he just became father for a second time so I'm not sure how much he's been sleeping the last weeks <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, uh, at least um, we need to um, s- uh, stay up uh, be- before uh, the World Cup uh, final that will be in the next episode we have a pre preview for that uh, anything more uh, to look forward to in the next episode? Uh, uh, not uh, uh, not much uh, more than I think the main thing would be the World Cup preview. We will talk a little bit about the, the races in uh, Norway that we will run this weekend. And then we will see if there is if something else funny and interesting shows up. Yeah, of course, we will take down the races in uh... Konrud, and uh, do you have a hot and a not for uh, this week also? Yeah, I think um, uh, related to the Norwegian Cup races in uh, Konrud and the uh, passing of Odin Heimdall, uh, some of his friends from Anthony took uh, uh, the initiative to create the Odin Heimdall tribute shirt, uh, mainly thought of for the people to run with at this race. Uh, and then there was uh, uh, a good deal with Trimtex, where Trimtex said that uh, we will produce the shirts, uh, sell them quite cheap, and we will give a lot of money to the, uh, the Kreftforeningen. I don't know what we should translate that to. Uh, the, the Norwegian Cancer Foundation, I think. Uh, yeah, be. so the anti-cancer foundation yeah, yeah. Uh, so more than 600 people uh, ordered these shirts uh, which means uh, the Trimtex will give 160,000 Norwegian kroner more than more than 15,000 euros uh, to this cancer research uh, it will be uh, really powerful to see hundreds of runners run with the same shirt uh, on Saturday that's uh, definitely a hot. Uh, and uh, do you also uh, have a nut? Yeah. Uh, so uh, not a big deal, but I mean, uh, when you're running a relay, you rule number one is don't miss punch, and especially if you're running a good team. So uh, a negative shout out to Stora Tuna and IFK Göteborg that got disqualified in the Swedish champs. That should not happen. So then we we go out uh, on that note uh, for this week uh, with a yeah. with a big uh, finger and a no no uh, uh, to uh, yeah. Stuartuna and Yves Göteborg. Yeah, then we have we... pointing fingers here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, thank you, Ivar, and uh, thank you all for listening. And we will, of course, be back uh, next week. Bye, bye. Ivar might not be the best runner in the family, but he is the best talker. Ivar National Orienteering Podcast. Mapping compass, navigation skill, orienteering competition. Running like a motherfucker. Ivar National Orienteering Podcast.